Hello and welcome back to Let the Stone Speak. I'm Brent Naktagal, your host. We're not in the office today. We are here on Tel Gezer. This is a 30-acre site that's got a lot of importance going back to biblical times, uh, particularly the reign of King Solomon, David's son. I'm here today because I want to talk about a couple of papers that have been written of late by a longtime excavator of this site, William Dever, or Dever, and then also a couple of more recent uh, excavators of this site from 2006 through 2017. This is archaeologist Stephen Ortiz and Samuel Wolfe. These papers are really dramatic in overcoming a lot of the proposition that was put forth by a famous Tel Aviv uh, University, former Tel Aviv University professor Israel Finkelstein, that the gate here and also the structures associated to the gate didn't belong to King Solomon's time, but perhaps a hundred years or, or so later. And it's really upset the narrative of this very famous verse in the Bible that you're probably aware of, 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse 15, that talks a lot about the cities that Solomon built up. This is one of them, Tel Gezer. And so original excavators believe that they found evidence of it. Then about 30 years ago, there was a big push to say that that evidence didn't belong to Solomon. And now let's say over the past five, six, seven years, you're having another swing back towards the traditional reading of this site, dating firmly to the 10th century BCE, to the time of King Solomon. Now we're up here on the lookout, or close to the lookout, one of the high points of Tel Gezer. Um, back behind me too, you can, might be able to see some cars that are traveling along a road. The high rises behind me is Modin, the modern city of Modin. But these cars in the foreground, after, after the fields, but before the hills, and before Modin is Route 1. So if you've ever come to Israel, and you've traveled from Ben Gurion, uh, ben -Gurion uh, Airport, uh, Tel Aviv uh, Airport, all the way to Jerusalem, you would have gone along, most likely along this road. This is the main thoroughfare that gets you from the coastal plain, this region where Tel Aviv is today, uh, all the way to Jerusalem. And so Tel Gezer is a very important strategic location that overlooks this valley, the Valley of Ajalon, uh, that goes up to Jerusalem. And so that's why it was important anciently and uh, probably has a little bit less importance today since there's no construction here and, and actually we're the only ones on the site, me and Mr. Christopher Eames, he's, he's behind the camera uh, today. Um, so it's just us here today, but you're here with us, so we're going to have a, a great look at some of these more recent discoveries. Um, we're going to start by a period 300 years before King Solomon and look at a building that was destroyed by none other than Pharaoh Meneptah, famous for the Meneptah stele that actually is the first extra biblical reference to Israel as being a people. So we're gonna come off here this high point and head towards the south and we're gonna look at this building that is recently dated to the destruction of this building, recently dated to the destruction of Meneptah. So I'm now standing on part of this uh, destroyed building from the very late Bronze Age is when it was constructed, continued in use, it seems for a couple hundred years all the way up to the destruction of it that the excavators talk about happening during the reign of, of Pharaoh Merneptah. This, this discovery of the dating of this site uh, was recently reported in the Biblical Archaeology Review. The article is entitled again, Pharaoh's Fury, Merneptah's Destruction of Gezer. And this is important because you may have heard of the Merneptah stele. This is the oldest confirmation of Israel being a people outside of the Bible, oldest, con oldest confirmed one. And this talk, this is again from the late uh, 13th century BCE, I think the, the, the journey of, of Merneptah's army into the area of the Levant. Um, 
that took place, Sudden Levant took place around 12.08, 12.07, sometime in that, in that area. And this is what it says on that stele, or his, basically a, a tribute to his great, great actions. It says this, Canaan is captive with all woe. Ashkelon is conquered. Gezer seized. Yenoam made non-existent. Israel is wasted, bear of its seed. And so it's that Israel is wasted part, bear of its seed, and there's different, slightly different translations of that. But that's what gets most of the acclaim because, again, this is, this is uh, only a couple hundred years after the Exodus, and it shows that Israel was a people occupying this land, Ashkelon, not far from here along the coast. And, of course, we're in Gezer, and Israel is basically in the highlands at this point, further to, further to my east. So up until now, even with about 100 years of excavations, here at Gezer, the, the evidence of Merneptah's destruction of this site was, was relatively non-existent. Um, that has now changed based on what they found here in the past two decades. This is what Ortiz and Wolf wrote in the latest edition of Biblical Archaeology Review. They said this, the, the surprise find, however, was the exposure of a large building dating to the 13th century, the very end of the Late Bronze Age, that was completely destroyed by fire. <clears throat> Buried in the debris were three individuals who were not able to escape the building's destruction. Now, for the first time, Geza has provided a snapshot of what the devastation wrought, seemingly by Merneptah's campaign uh, into Canaan. So they go on to describe the relative location of this, and hopefully when I get back to my computer and put this together, we can have, I'll have a, a, an, an overlay of this building. It's actually quite hard to discern um, just from the camera, uh, but basically I'm standing on one of the walls. One of the walls runs this way. Uh, the wall continues. It's kind of, the orientation is kind of offset from these bulks that remain. These are the bunkettes from the excavation that remain so that you can get a, a, a cross-section, see how the layers relate to the walls. Uh, and there's some other chambers of the rooms inside here. And it continues again, and I'm standing on the corner of it right here. So inside this building, this is a building that was constructed during the Late Bronze Age, uh, was in use at that point, and then they've decided, based on their evidence, that it was dated uh, its destruction to Menepta's time. They write this, We exposed nearly 15 to 20 meters of this large complex, though much more of the structure appears to be eroded down the southern slope of the Tell. Although there is much we still don't know about this structure, one thing is clear. It was violently destroyed. As evidenced by the destruction debris found throughout the complex, this ashy debris was sometimes three feet thick and included collapsed stone walls, fallen and burnt mud brick, burnt timbers, and broken remnants of crushed pottery. When did this terrible destruction happen? Initially, we dated the building to the 14th century, based, on, based primarily on the discovery of an Amenhotep III scarab seal. Uh, then they say, upon further analysis, however, we found that the building's pottery, which included the local and import wares dated to the 13th century, and materials from the destruction debris were radiocarbon dated to the end of the same century. So the end of the 13th century. Given the date of the building and the evidence of massive destruction, we believe it was most likely destroyed by Merneptah during his campaign into the southern Levant. And so, although it's been, I think, a while since they excavated, and we've had winter and we're coming through spring now, and so most of the site here at Gezer is overgrown with 
natural vegetation, you can't see too much of it. I am standing on a structure that was most likely destroyed by the Pharaoh Meneptah in his campaign, not just to take over this place, but also to destroy much of, um, much of, the, much of Israel, to take over Israel as well, and, and laying bare its, uh, most of Israel and destroying some of its seed, as it says there in that inscription. So here we have, again, archaeological evidence of this incursion of Merneptah around into the southern Levant region, the same time that Israel is mentioned there back in 1200 BCE. So at this time, we're going to go from here, and we're going to, as you can see, actually, this structure, even though it's, it's pretty, it's a couple hundred years later, it's sitting um, right underneath a, an, another structure that has different orientation of its walls slightly offset from this. That's actually a part of a structure for, dating from King Solomon's time as we'll get to now. We're going to go over though to the gate, the famous Solomonic Gate of Gezer, and talk about some of the dating of that structure. So now we're going to start to talk about what King Solomon did here, both from what the Bible says and then whether the archaeological evidence uh, lends credence to, to the biblical account. I'm sitting right here in the famous six-chambered gate found at, found at Gezer. This has been excavated over the past hundred years by different excavators. Uh, McAllister, uh, obviously uh, William Dever excavated this uh, as well in, in the late 60s, early 70s, and then he had another couple of seasons, one in the 80s, I think one in 1990. And this gatehouse is very important because it's very similar in layout almost identical really this portion of it um, as another couple of, of, of excavated gatehouses that traditionally have been associated by archaeologists over the past 60-70 years um, to King Solomon, King Solomon's construction and this was a this was a theory that was first put together by archaeologist Yigal Yadin back in the late 50s and so this is this has been around for a while and he based it off only partial actually excavation of this gatehouse excavations that happened a couple of decades before him as well as uh, excavations at Hatzor in the north um, and then Megiddo as well on the Carmel Ridge overlooking the Jezreel Valley and if I could, I'll go to the scripture that is, is cited quite a lot, First uh, Kings chapter 9 and verse 15, and then I will talk about this gatehouse and how it fits into the archaeological picture for, for King Solomon. This is what it says in First Kings 9 and verse 15. It reads this way, And this is the account of the levy which King Solomon raised to build the house of the Lord, which is the temple, and his own house, which is his palace and Milo structure, I believe, is, is yet to be uh, fully identified. And the wall of Jerusalem, so he has major constructions in Jerusalem, and then three other places, Hatzor, Megiddo, and Gezer. And so we're sitting at Gezer, and we are in, or just sitting on the edge of a gatehouse complex um, that traditionally, again, has been dated to King Solomon's time. So looking at this, th looking at this, this verse, uh, it talks about something quite remarkable. If you get a map out and you're unfamiliar with the geography of Israel, this the city here is the, apart from Jerusalem, is the southernmost city mentioned here of the three, Chatzor, Megiddo, and Gezer. As I said, it's a very strategic location, overlooks the Valley of Ajalon going up to Jerusalem from the coastal plain. And he had part of his, um, part of his, uh, 
administration, it was determined that this would be a great city to, to fortify uh, because of the strategic location. This was a city that the verses following um, this actually have it here. I'll read that to you as well. It's interesting the Bible says how he received this city. It says here in verse uh, 16, just after verse 15, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up, so this is before the time that Solomon builds it up, and had taken Gezer and burned it with fire and slain the Canaanites that dwelt in the city and given a portion unto his daughter Solomon's wife, and Solomon built Gezer. And so this destruction is actually here as well, uh, this destruction that directly precedes the construction of this gatehouse. Uh, we do see a massive destruction and the type of pottery that is there, um, definitely earlier, uh, 11th century uh, pottery that's associated with that destruction. And so we get to the, the construction of this. He gets it as a gift from Pharaoh uh, and he builds it up as, as what the Bible says. And as I said before, it was Yigal Yadin that originally back in 1958 proposed that this location and that this putting together these three locations and finding at each of them identical city gates or almost identical Yigal Yadin said it, it, it showed that there was a central administration with similar architects, similar engineers that had a blueprint of a city gate and how it should look and then sent it out to the, to the different parts of the kingdom to these strategic cities uh, and build a gate there, fortify it. And so he matched it and he didn't have all the evidence at that time actually. There wasn't much evidence outside the Bible and the similarities between what was found at Chatzor and Megiddo as far as the gatehouses go, but he said it matches. And we have a biblical text, a historical text that says that Solomon built these cities and we have the same style gate here. This is most likely from Solomon's time. And so then you had excavators that have come here leading them. I said, as I said in the late 60s, uh, William Dever and his team, um, and they came and excavated this fully and he explained from his evidence back then um, that this did date from King Solomon. Now this was before the age really when carbon samples were used. Um, this is before radiocarbon dating. This radiocarbon dating based on uh, in the layers mixed with the pottery is now the chief form of, of dating I would say for structures all through this region. But independent of or outside of having carbon dates, what do you have to go on? You have the pottery dates. Pottery, as you know, this changes very frequently over time. Uh, it's, it's basically indestructible and it's everywhere. And so it forms a, a great dating tool. If you can, while it doesn't, a pottery, piece of pottery doesn't have a date uh, written on it, if you can associate a date to that style of pottery, when that style was the predominant source or when that style appears then you can apply a date to the structures in which that pottery was found. So this was, you know, this was something that was espoused uh, by Petrie and, and going back, you know, a hundred years, almost a hundred years uh, before you go, you didn't even, even mention this. But as far as the, the styles that were attached um, to this period of King Solomon and King David, um, this has been the subject of great debate. What is Solomonic pottery? What is Davidic style pottery? And there have been is a, like a floating relative chronology that's, that's, that's attached to these styles. And you had Bill Dever come along and Diva come along and say, and not only him, the traditionalist that said that the Iron 2A pottery, if you like, the pottery related to the United Monarchy of David and Solomon, that is this certain style. And they, they would pick representative finds from that. And then you had other archaeologists, predominantly Israel Finkelstein in the very early 90s, come along and say that all that pottery that we thought was dated to King Solomon or King David's time is actually not. 
It's actually dated to 75 to 100 years after King Solomon's time. And here are my carbon samples. My carbon, my carbon samples, meaning that layers that have been carbon dated at Megiddo with this iron 2A pottery in it. And all the carbon samples, they indicate a later date for this pottery. So this has been the big debate over the past 30 years. This is what Bill Dever write, Dever writes in his paper. Uh, this was came out in 2021. It's entitled uh, Solomon's Scripture and Science. He writes this, beginning in 1993, Finkelstein had begun to elaborate his idiosyncratic low chronology. That's what he calls his re radical redating of the Iron 2A from David and Solomon's time to 75 to 100 years later, initially. Uh, a cause celebrated that he published relentlessly for 25 years, reworking the stratigraphy in nearly every site in Israel and even several in Jordan to suit his scheme. I simply point out here that there, there never was any empirical evidence for such a radical reduction of dates. It was theater rather than scholarship, and it made Finkelstein a celebrity. But the low chronology never became mainstream, and it has been rebutted too many times to document here. And so I'll leave a link for this paper. I think it's worth going through. It actually goes through several of the, the carbon samples that Finkelstein used to redate Megiddo, the place where another one of these gates were. Um, and it, it, it even looks at those and says, well, most of these don't actually support a low chronology date. Most of them support the traditional dating. The traditional dating meaning iron 2A pottery types uh, were associated through the biblical chronology of when David and Solomon existed and a little bit thereafter as well. Speaking of this Solomonic gatehouse now, this is what Dever writes in his way of dating it. This is even before the carbon samples came along, which we'll get to, which support this traditional dating of this structure, as well as some of the palatial structures that are attached to it that we'll talk about. He says this, stratum eight, which is this iron to a Solomonic stratum, if we can call it that, was situated above a late Philistine decorated ware stage in a massive destruction layer. So that would be associated from the biblical chronology to the destruction that the Pharaoh of Egypt did at this city and then gave it to his daughter who was married unto Solomon and then Solomon built up Gezer. Uh, so that was directly preceding stratum 8. Stratum 8 is just one of the layers of this city, again the Solomonic stratum. Uh, it says here, furthermore there was a predominance of hand burnished which is a way of, of decor, a way of um, sealing the outer pores of a, of, a, of a vessel. Hand burnished, done with a hand, there was a predominance of that and a total absence of wheel burnishing. So there was a technology that, it, that was advanced sometime during this period that took from a hand burnishing or a hand polishing, if you like, the outside of these vessels. And then now that was done on the wheel, meaning you had the vessel on the wheel and then you had some, the way of spinning it, which would then uh, be polished on a wheel, and you can tell the difference um, before that. And he says this, uh, there was wheel burnishing in stratum eight. Uh, sorry, sorry, there was a preponderance of hand burnishing and a total absence of wheel burnishing in stratum eight, which despite the opinion of some skeptics was and still is a reliable criterion, meaning that this wheel burnishing came probably around the time just after Solomon. Point number three, then there was a heavy destruction after the third street level of stratum eight that is best attributed to Pharaoh Shishak or Shoshank I, whose reign is closely dated to circa 945 to 924 BCE and whose known battle itinerary in Canaan lists Gezer 
as the town of number 12. So you have Shoshank, as it mentions in Egypt, another Egyptian pharaoh coming during the fifth reign of Rehoboam. That's what the Bible says, uh, Shishak. And he destroys Gezer. That's what's mentioned there. And you find a destruction layer from the time, from the layer that is, that is after the period in which this gate was built. And so then there's another synchronism with the Bible and also Egyptian documentation uh, and putting this gatehouse during the time period of King Solomon as well. Then he continues to write this. When we excavated the Gezer Gate 50 years ago, no carbon-14 dates were available. But the recent ex excavations produced carbon-14 dates that fall precisely in the mid 10th century BCE. And so while, while Dever dated this based on the pottery, he didn't have the carbon dates, dated it to Solomon's reign, stratum 8. Next door to us is a massive structure that he began to excavate and that was completed uh, in the last two decades. And from there they do have carbon dates. So what do the carbon dates say? How do they relate to stratum 8 here uh, at Gezer, the Solomonic stratum? We'll go over there and we'll talk about that. So I'm now standing inside this really large structure. You can see the monumentality of it with the, the city wall along here, uh, with the casemates on the other side of it, basically a parallel wall with little compartments that um, is really a distinctive feature of, of this period in, in uh, Davidic, if you like, or in a little bit thereafter, um, Israelite, Judean construction. And then you can see many of these walls that attach to the, to the main city wall. Um, my purpose is not necessarily to discuss all the, the plan layout of this building, although it's very interesting, and, and Wolf and Ortiz in their paper in the Jerusalem Journal of Archaeology from 2021 that I'll be quoting from, it describes how this building, they believe this building would have functioned. This is a building that is from stratum 8, so this time period that we are, or this layer that's definitely um, uh, contemporary with the gatehouse from which the camera is standing right now. Um, I do want to quote from this because it, it's really interesting to see how they, how they used the carbon dates that were found within this, within this structure um, and how it matched with the pottery that was traditionally, has been traditionally associated with this early Iron Two-way period or this early period of David and Solomon. In this case, of course, we're not looking for a Davidic construction. This would be sometime probably uh, if Solomon came to reign around, I think 971 is what is traditionally uh, attached to Solomon's reign. Uh, and then, you know, he reigns for 40 years in Jerusalem before he's replaced by his son Rehoboam. Five years after that is when Shishak comes. And so what we do have based on the carbon, well, what they found based on the carbon samples is that you have this city, Stratum 7, which, which is the city that came after Stratum 8, the city of Stratum 8. And it basically follows the same layout and design of Stratum 8. There's a different uh, structure. The, the, um, the walls themselves have more of a domestic use, they would say, or the building itself has more of a domestic use. It's a little bit poorer, um, but it basically follows on from what was here during Stratum 8. Now, Stratum 8 is the one that, based on their carbon dates, they have dated to the time period of King Solomon. And I'm going to put uh, the figure. It's uh, figure number two. Um, of this paper up on the screen and it'll show you the relative dates for the different stratum, uh, different strata and the as dates associated to it. Of course, carbon dates like this, 
they have a window of time, they're never 100% accurate, they have to be calibrated based on discoveries of known age that is found in the same layer. Uh, so there's a bit of, there's a, a lot of math that goes into getting a carbon date from this period. But I would say that, you know, the, the broad majority of them, if you have a lot of carbon samples, um, that can be very helpful at narrowing this gap and is definitely important for the, for the dating of this structure. And you can see there from this figure that the end, the start of the seventh, which would be the, which would, they would traditionally date to the time period just after Shishak came through in Rebaum's time, uh, took out this city and then left. And then Israel takes it back over and rebuilds. That's stratum seven. You see that most of those dates are, are dated to the time period of the, the late, late 10th century. And so stratum eight then, you see a couple of samples that are mentioned there. They date firmly towards what is traditionally located or traditionally dated to King Solomon's time. This is how Ortiz and Wolf describe um, the city during stratum eight. The stratum eight city. So they're not saying Solomonic city. They're saying stratum, this is how archeologists work. They say the city of this number and we're going to describe it, what it looks like, the use of the pottery, the material culture, the dating of it, and then we will put with it, if we can, a historical source. Now the reason this site, of course, is so de debated is because that historical source is the Bible, and the historical personage is King Solomon. But this is what they write. The Stratum 8 city experienced a radical change with a new city plan that included a casemate city wall system and a large administrative building. I'll show you that administrative building on the, on the screen. These features were previously revealed by the HUC excavations. These were the excavations led by Bill Deaver. Apologies to him for uh, changing the way I say his name. I've got a bit of Australian-American uh, accent going on there. Apologize for that. But the Tandy project has expanded our knowledge by defining the nature of this public building, as well as providing a robust strategic, sorry, stratigraphic analysis of a series of overlying settlement plans and destructions, as well as radiocarbon dates. So they're securely dating this gigantic structure. It says the remains of the Tandy Institute stratum 8th, 10th century are primarily concentrated on the eastern portion of our excavation adjacent to the Iron Age, city's Iron Age city gate. This is where I'm standing right now. This building that I'm in is, is absolutely massive. It's got at least 15 distinct rooms. I think it's got a little courtyard in the middle there. I think there's a, there's a pillared building off to the far end of it as well. And it does definitely relate uh, to, this, to this structure of the, of the gatehouse. Uh, they write, uh, I'll continue now from uh, Wolf and Ortiz. And I would say this is a highly readable um, paper. It's not really, it's an academic paper, but for anyone willing to go back and see their evidence rather than just me, and my hearsay, what you, talking, what you see me talking about, or hear me talking about, I definitely think you should do that. Finally, the conclusion of this paper, it says this. If one assumes, as we do, that the original casemate wall is contemporary with the six-chambered chambered gate, then one must assign both to our stratum eight. Stratum seven, which is in just after Shishak's campaign, campaign in the late 10th century, Stratum 7 remains abut the casemate city wall, the casemate city wall, and at least a meter above the founding level, and have yielded radiocarbon dates that place it in the early 10th, 9th century, late, uh, sorry, late 10th, early 9th century BCE. Stratum 8 then must date from an earlier time that is more or less to Solomon's reign. These observations confirm 
previous scholars claims that the six-chambered gate dates to the reign of King Solomon. Now just let's just stop and think about this. Archaeology in Israel over the past 30 years for the 10th centuries, David and Solomon, has been dominated by this idea that at first David or Solomon likely didn't exist. Then when existence of that was found, David and Solomon were likely tribal chieftains. This tribal chieftain notion is based on the radical redating of this Iron 2A pottery. The archaeologist comes along and says, early Iron 2A pottery, whatever that is, it's not dated from David and Solomon. It's dated from uh, later than that, 100 years later. So all this evidence, like this gatehouse, like the Megiddo uh, gatehouse, like the, the, uh, the um, gatehouse found, found further to the north in Hatsor, like monumental structures elsewhere that are dated to, dated to Solomon, they're not Solomonic. And so you had massive schools. This was the area of focus for the last 20 years, was this debate that David and Solomon were nothing and the Iron 2A, wherever it was, it was, that was dead, the monumental structures of that, the state formation structures of that was later. And now we get back to a greater evidence that's produced based on carbon samples as well as pottery. And what does the evidence yield? It, evidence, it, ev it gives evidence that the traditional dating was right all along was right all along. Low chronology, pushing out the David and Solomon's style stuff to a later king, it doesn't stack up to the radiocarbon samples. All through, not just uh, Judah, but also pushing up into Israel as well. And this site at Gezer, while it has been kind of washed away of late by proving Solomon's kingdom, it really does back up and support the biblical text. 1 Kings 9.15 says Solomon built this city. The excavators that excavated here based on pottery and carbon samples believe that, that Solomon built this city. It dates to his time. Why don't we want to believe them? I think we should. That's all for today's program. Thank you for joining me here in Gezer. If you'd like to see more of this content, please do go ahead and sign up for our daily email. You can do that by going to our website, armstronginstitute.org. That's our brief email that will come out whenever we have some new content. You can, of course, subscribe to this video, uh, this podcast, and this video on YouTube by hitting the subscribe button and also hitting the bell notification to make sure you're notified when a new video comes online. If you want to send some feedback, you can do so by writing your emails to letters at armstronginstitute.org. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Brent Naktagal coming to you from Gezer here in Israel.